This is the Get Up Eight Podcast with your host, Eric Hodgden. Struggle isn't an option. It's a biological necessity. This is a quote from Daniel Coyle's The Little Book of Talent. And I read this book for the first time about a year ago now, but I absolutely love it. Not only because it's a quick read, but because each chapter is so digestible. And this particular chapter I'm referring to is titled Embrace Struggle. And although it's one paragraph in length, it's such a powerful representation of how the human brain works. Millions of years of evolution combined with learning and struggle have given us the pre-wired tools to adapt and overcome obstacles that come at us. Just look at a 10-month-old baby. They stand and they attempt to walk, only to fall down, but they don't give up, do they? They don't back away from the struggle of learning how to stand up and walk. They lean into it. And they, they try and they try again until they can walk without falling. And by the way, you did that same thing when you were around that age. Hey everybody, this is Eric Hodgson and welcome back to the Get Up 8 podcast where we unpack the challenges and struggles that come at us in life and we find unique ways for you to build resilience not to only survive those struggles, but to thrive because of them. Life has a really funny way of teaching us lessons, doesn't it? They come at us in the form of example by others who overcome some incredible obstacles. It comes at a time in our life when the lesson will be finally learned and accepted by us. Or it could even be by meeting someone who embodies that never quit, lean into it mindset. And with us today on the podcast is a woman who has done just that. I'm honored and grateful to have with us Shelly Varela. Shelly is the first female fighter in Canada's sixth largest city of Toronto, and she hosts her own podcast called The Yes Effect, and we had an hour-long conversation the other day about leaning into struggle, so I'm super amped to have Shelly on with us today. Shelly, welcome to the podcast. Eric, it's my absolute pleasure to be able to uh, spend some more time with you and uh, and get to the bottom of what it means to lean into struggle. So thank you for having uh, me. Thank you so much. And I'd love to get right into this, uh, Shelley, because I just find it so fascinating to me for two reasons. One, struggle is inevitable in our lives. And two, your story of how you leaned into your struggle to become the first female firefighter is just incredible to me. And, and I'd love for you to share that story with us because you didn't make giving up an option and you did lean into that struggle. And I'd just love for you to, to tell us more about this because I know I'm going to have a ton of questions. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. So to tell you uh, how that worked for me, I first need to tell you the backstory. And that was when I was a kid, I was super, super anxious, the, you know, full of angst, shy kid who was, you know, introverted and deep thinking and stuff like that. And our family had moved around a bunch of times. And whenever I'd come to a new school, it was always super uncomfortable. But every single time I was the kid that got bullied and berated and beaten every single time. So what happened was over a period of time, um, I started to wonder like, well, what's wrong with me? Because this is happening to me every time. It can't be everybody else. Mm. But what I ended up using as a survival mechanism was my imagination. Mm. So I'd picture myself anywhere else. And I would picture it with such clarity 
that I actually thought and felt like I was in that alternate reality. Wow. And so it's how I survived and it was how I coped. Now, during that time, I would have given anything for that to have not been my situation. Mm Mm-hmm. But I would have never guessed that later on it was the gift that didn't come wrapped in a bow. Right. Because when I was finishing up high school, by this time, the world and myself had labeled me an artist. I was you know, a writer and a painter, and I was into special effects makeup and all kinds of stuff like that. So as I'm nearing the end of high school, I'm starting to like, the, the angst is starting to flare again. I'm like, man, like, what is my job going to be? And the harder I tried to fit that square peg in the round hole thinking, you know, should I do makeup for film and TV or should I be a writer or a journalist? The harder I tried to like make that fit, mm. the more anxious I got. And it was for one reason or another, whether I felt that it wasn't secure enough or the pay wasn't, you know, what I was looking for or whatever. It just didn't feel like a good fit. So around the same time, I was hanging out with a good friend of mine and I remember the day I was sitting on his couch and he, uh, he was telling me about his, his job as a firefighter and to watch his physicality changed when he described his job. Cause I'd had many jobs at this point and I hated all of them, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he did not like he lit up when he was mm. talking about his job Yeah, and he would just take me on this journey of like a day in the life. Mm. And I was just like, what? That's so inspiring. That's- yeah, that's your job. And I just was blown away by all of it, by the rescues, by the fires, by the drama, by the community, by the team, by, you know, the antics at the hall, all of it. And so since my life kind of sucked at the time, I just kept coming to his house again and again and again. And and what ended up happening was I would hang off his every word. Mm. But eventually his um, his stories turned into lessons. And this is the importance of labeling yourself or more importantly, not labeling yourself because I had always seen myself as that artist. And had I not been in that just unusual serendipitous situation sitting next to that guy on Mm -hmm. that couch on that day, I would have never known that I had a natural mechanical aptitude. Mm. And so once he started teaching me about fire pumps and friction loss and all of this kind of stuff, I was just like, I couldn't get enough. The more he teach me, the more I, I like, I ended up going home and I'd call him back and I'm like, yeah, you remember when you were talking about <laughs> fulcrums and pulleys? And he's like, go to bed, man. <laughs> so one particular day we're driving down the road together and we pull up next to this tractor trailer. And on the back of it, there's this dangerous goods label. And he's taught me all about placards and labels and hazardous materials and a ton of other things, but I'm still that shy, like not so confident, confident kid. And I see this placard and instead of telling him what it is, cause I was confident that I knew what it was. Right. Instead, I phrased it as a question and uh, I said, Hey, what is that? What does that um, placard mean? And he said, whatever he said, it's like, Oh, flammable liquids. And I thought, Hmm, I thought you said it was flammable compressed gas based on X, Y, and Z. <laughs> and he, but, but at this, but he was kind of just, kind of half-assed looking at it because right, right. he's super sick of my questions. <laughs> but but now that I've brought this up, he looks at it and he realized that I was right. Mm. And he turns to me and he says, Shelly, why don't you just apply? And I said, Steve, like, look at me, man. I'm 108 pounds. I have no relatable skills, knowledge, experience. And there's no girls in firefighting. This was like 
20, 28 years ago. Wow. And at this point, I loved and respected this man so much. And without a beat, he looked me square in the eye and he says, there's going to be a girl one day. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't it be you? Mm. And honestly, powerful. I felt like somebody punched me in, in the heart. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I felt like I'd been knocked over, wow. but I didn't actually take it on in that moment. Ironically, it was just kind of like the <gasps> moment. Mm. So for the rest of the day, have you ever been driving and, and you end up somewhere and your head is somewhere else and you, and you think like, I literally remember none of this. I don't know how I got here. The rest of my whole day was like that. Wow. And that night I'm lying in my bed and it's still playing on repeat in my brain. And I'm looking up at my white stippled ceiling. And I said three words that changed the rest of my life. And those words were, why not me? Mm-hmm. Mm. But when I heard myself say them, it was completely different than because I, it's almost like I had taken it on as my own and I had internalized mm. it. Yes. When I heard those words, it was like something switched. And so I didn't care what it cost. I didn't care what it cost. I was going to become a firefighter. Wow. And Keeping in mind at the time, I have no business pursuing this. <laughs> I'm like a runt. I like I'm an artist. I I do special effects makeup. I, you know, it just made no sense. But I just couldn't say no. And so that actually ended up being why I called my podcast the Yes Effect because the Yes Effect is that micro moment when you're at like zero point when your mm-hmm. body in that microsecond will tell you the truth. Yes. And we're trained to ignore it. Mm. Yes, we are. And so um, I didn't ignore it, but then I had this sort of uh, wave of realization that this is, this is really quite ridiculous. And so uh, I understood, though, that even if I had all of the skills that I needed, of which I had none, that unless my body was physically capable of doing the, the work, that none of it would matter. Right, right. So what I did was I called the local university <clears throat> where they hosted the firefighter physical, and I said, yeah, I... Uh, I'd like to pay my money and come down and try it out. And they'd never heard this before. They're like, why? (laughs) So I didn't want to tell them because I knew like there's no girls at the time. So this is not even a thing. Okay. So I just show up and I said, yeah, you know, I just wanted to try it. And I'm like a 10 kilometer a day runner at the time. So I'm thinking, well, it's going to be a challenge for sure, but I'm sure I'll be fine. Like I'm going to be spent, but I'll be okay. Right. And that is not what happens. (laughs) That is not what happened. I got beaten up, like just devastated. It was like, it was so far beyond my physical capacity. I can't even explain. Did it deter you after that first day? Or yes. was it, okay. Or did yes. you feel like, you know what? Okay, this really sucked, but I, I, I don't want to stop. No, it didn't. I walked out of there and I left my dignity behind and mm. I was heartbroken. Mm. Like it crushed my little spirit. Mm. because it was the first time I felt that spark and it was the first time I felt like I found my thing Mm -hmm. and I knew that I was going to have to let it go Mm. because there was no way, Mm. absolutely no way I was going to be able to pull this off. Mm. So I go home and I'm lying in my bed and I'm having a pity party of epic proportion. (laughs) And I like, I mean, it. I didn't get out of bed for two days and my bedroom was littered with snotty Kleenexes. And um, I was just, that's I was a fire hazard, so... by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I was just so sad. Um, but on the third day, something snapped again. And then I got pissed. Mm. 
And so I called the university back and I said, yeah, I'm going to need the specs for that whole physical. I need to know the heights, the weights, the distances of mm. the entire thing. I need to know all of it. And then I built it in my backyard. And I failed at that thing day after day after day and mm. like, like calloused hands to the point they were ripped open and bleeding. And I would go until I'd like vomit and there were days when my body hurt so bad I would have to log roll out of bed mm. and and have help, you know, like have my mom help lower me down on the toilet. Like it was <laughs> it was a hundred percent not pretty. This is where those those pulley and fulcrums come into play too. <laughs> yeah, right? Right? <laughs> like, mom, I can engineer this, really. I can. <laughs> I know, I was so bad. Um, but all the while I'm still learning about building construction and mm -hmm. fire science <clears throat> and rescue techniques and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm chipping away and I'm chipping away and I'm chipping away. And then one day I could, I could get through the test, <clears throat> not for time, not pretty to watch, not without tears or massive amounts of cussing and, you know, vomit, <laughs> like yeah. not, not, but, but I could do it. Right. And then I thought, well, if I can do it, then eventually I'll be able to do it for time. Right. Mm. So what I realized is that everything is um, able to be reverse engineered. Right. If in fact you start as you intend to continue. Mm. And so what I mean by that is at that same time, when I said, yes, I'm going to become a firefighter, there literally was another girl standing beside me saying, yeah, I'm going to be a firefighter too. <laughs> but what you couldn't see underneath the onion layers was for me, it was true as my truth. I wanted to serve people. I wanted to, help people. I wanted to save people. I wanted to be hot in the summer, cold in the winter. I knew it was going to be ugly yeah. and gritty and dirty, but I wanted to do the job for all the right reasons. Mm. But if you were able to peel back her onion layers, what you would have saw is um, cute boys and it's cool, mm. which is fine. But from the outside looking in, yeah. we looked the same. Mm -hmm. So when you find the thing that's true for you, then what it allows you to do is focus on what is that phone call going to feel like or what is that summit going to feel like mm. or what is the finish line going to feel like? Right. Because when you can focus on that, when you start as you intend to continue and when you're aligned with the goal that you're chasing, mm -hmm. what happens is you find what you focus on. And if you can remain focused to the end goal, because yes. it's so juicy to you, right. then what you're not focused on is the obstacles or challenges right. in between you and that goal. Absolutely. And they're still there. Yes. Like they were ugly. Right. They were, my mind were ugly. Right. Um, but, but, but you have a different vision mm -hmm. of the future. And you, you're saying about, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm writing as you're talking and, and I, I love this. And you've already hit on a couple of things and I, I definitely want you to continue. But I, sorry to interrupt you too. This was just incredible. No, like, I you mean, know, this vision of seeing your future, it, it sets in motion... Uh, what your your body adapts to that mm -hmm. uh, so that you can eventually achieve that <clears throat> if you keep going forward. Yep. It's, it's going to happen. You put in the time, you put in the effort and deliberate work, it's going to happen. There's yep. no doubt about that. So go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. And further to that, like you put in the time and you put in the work, but here's the thing people need to remember. The price of admission for whatever your your goal, your dream, your quest is, mm -hmm. is not the same for everybody. Right. So for the guys that were that were applying to become firefighters at the same time as I was, yes. yes, we were doing the same physical. Yes, we were meeting the same criteria. But 
Um, but I had, a, in some ways, a bigger freight to pay. My, mm-hmm. The price for me was bigger because, yes, I was doing, I was performing the same physical uh, test, but proportionately speaking, I'm carrying more than my body weight. Right. So you really have to like stop feeling sorry for yourself. Not that people are, but some people will say, yeah, but it's not fair because they this is what the physical means to them. It's like, yeah, you just have to decide this is my goal. This is what it's going to cost me. Right. Am I or am I not willing to pay the freight? Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely leaning into the struggle that you have. And the struggle doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. It could be a goal that you have. It could be a dream that you've had. It could be something that that somebody um, you know, introduced to you and it just lights you up. But, you know, besides the fantasy of what it's going to be like, because we all have that, we all create this, oh, this is going to be great. There's not going to be any problems. I'm going to get to Easy Street. It's going to be so much fun. And then we get there and we're like, oh, this is actually a lot harder than I thought it was. But the mindset has to shift too. Your mm-hmm. mindset, like you were just talking about, your mindset has to shift so that that you look and you're going to be embracing. You're going to have to embrace this struggle. And if you struggle can't is the that, gift, I believe the struggle say that again? is the gift. The struggle is the gift. Yes, oh, that's beautiful. Absolutely, it absolutely is a gift because what's on the other side of that struggle? It's it's not necessarily a reward, but. We're actually there's a, a book called uh, The War of Art uh, by Stephen Pressfield, and mm. he talks about uh, the uh, that we are not entitled to the fruits of our labor. We're only entitled to the labor itself. And but the universe does pay us in kind, though, uh, with the work that we do put in. Yeah, we're not. Sure. We don't. If we put in the time and the effort, it it rewards the person who who becomes a a professional athlete. It rewards the person who becomes a firefighter. It rewards the person that that uh, wants to uh, become uh, you know the the leader of of some country or company. It doesn't matter. It's just it's 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 sticking with that struggle. Well, I think yes, I agree with all of that, and also who you become in the transformation. Mm. Like when you have to be the Phoenix rising out of the ashes, right. who you come ends up being the unexpected consequence of, of the gift that you end up getting. Yes. So you, so for an example, you know, I gained so much resiliency. I gained so much trust in myself. I knew that, um, that when times get tough, I can depend on myself. I didn't know that before. Right. So yes, I got the job. And yes, mm-hmm. it was amazing getting the job. But who I had to become in the process of getting the job was the actual gift. Yeah. Oh, that's I love that. And that's true. And uh, a few years ago when I lost my daughter, Zoe, uh, I felt like the only way that I, that I could articulate it at the time was that uh, when death takes somebody from you, uh, it does leave gifts behind. It has to. But we are not given those gifts right away. We actually have to mm-hmm. find them and nurture them and grow them. I just got goosebumps. And <laughs> but they're not tangible. This isn't tangible. You know, mm-hmm. these become the flowers around the crater, a crater of whatever yeah. it is that you're of the impact that was made in your life at that time. Yeah. And so there's beauty there, but we can't ignore those things. If we ignore those things and they're not gonna come easy to us. 
And if you think about somebody who is a gardener and they plant stuff in a garden, a garden has to be maintained. It's not just like I'm throwing the seed in the ground and letting it grow. Let -hmm. Mother Nature take over. Mother Nature does her part, but we have to do our part too. Yes. And so no matter what it is we choose to do in this life, whether it's navigating a deep challenge, whether it's going for a massive goal, whether it's trying to reach the top of a summit of whatever mountain we're climbing, we have to put in those that effort and we have to realize that it's up to us. Nobody else is coming to do that for us mm-hmm. and nothing's going to be handed to us. And yeah, it sucks. But if we embrace that suck, <laughs> there's so <laughs> embrace the suck. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it. I mean, that's that's a, a term that that uh, Navy SEALs use. That's a term that extreme athletes use. And it's a term that I've used many times, even talking to kids and, and adults about, look, this is really tough stuff that whatever you're dealing with right now in life, uh, it, but we all are going, it's part of the human element that we are, or sorry, part of the human condition that we are going to be dealing with difficult things in our lifetime, but it only makes us stronger. And it brings me back to that opening <laughs> quote that I, you know, struggle uh, isn't an option. It's a biological necessity mm-hmm. for you, Shelly, you took this, this, you know, this statement, this question that your friend asked you, why don't you just apply? And you ran with that. That was a seed that you, that was a gift that you received from him that day. And, and it didn't come easy to you in any way, shape or form. And it probably hasn't been an easy ride even since then. I'm not suggesting that you get to a point and you're like, oh, I'm good. I'm golden. You know, it's just, there's always something, there's another mountain to climb always. Mm-hmm. But each one has its rewards that do come, uh, even though we're not entitled to those. So, so I was kind of babbling there on that one. But I, I <laughs> no, just, absolutely. I, but I just, I, I love this topic so much because we already have what we need inside of us. Some of us forget that, right? We forget it, or we don't know how to unlock it. Mm-hmm. And and unlocking it is not a monumental task. It's it's having some direction it's a mindset and it's being intentional mm-hmm. about and also giving yourself permission to let go of what you should do right give yourself permission to unabashedly love what you love mm. yes because because it's crippling sometimes when people are trying so hard because we've all been programmed with the same societal norms mm-hmm. about what we should do, what we shouldn't do, what we can do, what we can't do, and particularly for women and girls. And we've been ingrained with things that we don't even realize are ingrainments. Right. <laughs> but they come up later as limiting beliefs mm. or just accepted beliefs. Mm. You know, like we don't even accept them as limiting beliefs because we don't believe they're limiting beliefs. We don't even question them. Right. So if we can, if we can get underneath the hood of like, you know, from the time we're little kids, we have this precognitive commitment and we make things, we assign things meaning. And when we assign things meaning, whether it's true or not, it's just our perspective in that snapshot in time, which is what I call story. Right. So these stories that we're building throughout our entire lives mm-hmm. have the ability to like catapult us forward in our, in our behavior and in our accomplishments. Um, or in more cases than not, they have the ability to keep us stuck. Right. So, for example, if you have parents that are doctors, both parents are doctors, you just assume that, well, I'm expected to be a doctor. And can you go to med school and can you will your way through studying and all Mm. that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely you can. But if that wasn't your truth, Mm -hmm. 
absent of the labels, if that wasn't your truth, then you get to the top of that mountain and you're looking around and you feel shitty Mm -hmm. and you look around across the horizon and you think, man, wrong mountain. Yep. When in actual fact, maybe you wanted to be an artist Mm -hmm. or maybe you wanted to be a poet or a dog trainer, whatever. Right. Yeah. Stephen Pressfield calls those, it's a shadow uh, activity that you're partaking in. Mm. And sometimes those shadow activities are, uh, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's uh, working at a job because you're, the, 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 the pain of success is, is, or the fear of success is so strong that you just, you, you're thinking about it kind of overwhelms you. Uh, but when you do those shadow careers, you're on that other mountain and you're looking across like, that's, I don't need to be here. This isn't right. And Here's the thing, though you you you're ne- it's never too late to descend that that mountain that you're on and start the next one going. As long as you have a beating heart in your chest, you can keep going and and do something different. You know, there's who knows how many days you have left on this earth. You know, it could be another forty, fifty, sixty, seventy years. Who knows? But yeah. uh, it's just uh, so sorry. I just wanted to interject that. I thought that was uh, fantastic that you said that. Well- I think the thing people need to remember too, because uh, fear is a real thing. And I think Mm -hmm. we need to learn to embrace both the comfortable and the uncomfortable. Yes. And it's important for people to remember uh, that the individuals usually are not afraid of what they think they're afraid of. What they're afraid of is what fear is asking them to look at. That is just too raw and vulnerable and uncomfortable to see, because usually what that has is kernels of worthiness uh, not good enoughness, mm-hmm. um, you know, fear of being judged, um, maybe fear of being unloved or unlovable. If we really get like a couple layers deep and look under the hood at what we're actually dealing with, that stuff is painful. Yes. And and when you feel like nobody's going to love you or or nobody's going to accept you, it manifests in completely different ways. Mm. But the beauty of looking your fear square in the eye is it turns the intangible into the tangible. Yes. And so when you can start dealing with those and knocking those off one by one, does it make you go from fear to fearless? No, no. but it makes you go from fear, afraid to courageous, right? which is acting in the face of fear. It is. And, and look, fear fear is going to be present. It, it's fear and resistance are cousins. You know, they, they uh, when you are facing something that's really difficult in your life, you fear is the first thing that kind of shows up and says, you're not going to do this because yeah. I'm going to scare the hell out of you right now to show you that, oh, you know, you don't want to move. No, you don't want to go for that big job. No, you don't want to go for that big dream of becoming the first female fire. All these questions and, and it swirls around inside of your head and resistance loves that. Resistant. And it's also a really convenient excuse for your unconscious mind. It is. It is. and Because then you don't it, have to take ownership of it. No. And it becomes, like you said, it becomes comfortable. But I don't think we're wired to stay in that comfortable spot. You know, we are, we, all these millions of years of evolution and, 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 uh, and, and changes in our, in our ability to fight through struggle, we've gotten to the point where we need to be challenged in order for us to feel like life is more than just something boring, something that, you know, we just come home and watch TV. And But for anybody that is stuck in struggle, fighting your way through that means to be in the uncomfortable, mm-hmm. it means to live there for a while. And, and 
if you if you're afraid, then you're exactly where you need to be. Yes, absolutely. That's Amen. exactly where you need to be. And you have to push back on it every single day. Fear is something that will, you know, go to bed at night and, you know, get a good night's sleep. And in the morning, man, that might be the first thing that you feel when you're waking up, especially if you're going after something big, because resistance doesn't want you to win. It wants you to stay in that comfort zone of just existing, just yeah. surviving. When you thrive, you're put you're you're pushing that fear back down. And, and you're taking over. This is, it changes, like you're saying, the limiting beliefs into like, oh, you know what? I can, look at this. I just got through this course. Now I can do this for time. And then it starts to shift those limiting beliefs. So I love mm-hmm. that, Shelly. I think that's very strong, very strong. Well, I think also too, the thing to, to remember, and many people don't account for this, and it's so, so crucial, mm. is that the biggest gifts come in the unknown. Right. And so when somebody is looking at that quest and they have that like microsecond, that that moment of yes, the yes effect, where it's the zero point where their body doesn't lie to you. Mm. Most people in that moment, almost everybody will switch to logical mind and they will lead with logic. Mm. But if instead you lead with possibility and just be open to the fact like I have no idea what this is going to look like. I have no idea how this is going to unfold. Right. And Oftentimes, you end up somewhere that you never could have imagined because you had the courage to take that first step. Because oftentimes, what also happens is the next big leap you couldn't have seen unless you took the first step. Exactly. Once you take that first step, you can kind of peek around the corner. Now you have a better vantage point for all of the other gifts and, um, you know, that you want to pursue. Right. It's 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 almost as if you have to go through this process of letting abundance come into your life. Mm-hmm. And it's not just flipping a switch and saying, okay, I'm there. You know, if you're dealing with something that's very difficult, have you gone through the process of forgiving yourself or the other person? Have you have you uh made way for uh to have you made peace with that? with that situation? Have you, uh, you know, maybe it's making peace with the decision to do something that, uh, frankly scares the hell out of you. Um, but what that opens up is gratitude for what you do have in your life. And then the abundance kind of comes to you. And Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's really strong. And, and, uh, I'd love to, I, I want to hear your thoughts on that. And then I want to shift the topic over to uh, something that you told me about the other day. Uh, I don't want to lead into it right now, but, uh, but it's about your faces. uh, Yeah. So, so so with, with respect to what you're saying, I think it is key to understand that there is something bigger than ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Simon Sinek says, nobody cares what you do until they know why you do it. Right. And if you can align with that, that why, like, why do I love this? Even if you're not clear, even even if your why is that that lit up feeling, yes, that's enough. But if you start to tune into your body, your body doesn't lie. But right. we've been trained to disconnect from it, to ignore it, to not understand what it's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we find that in nature all the time. Everybody is so busy with their head buried in their phone, right? And it's like if people get upset, or if people are you know, angry or people, whatever, the first thing they do is drop their head and start tapping their finger on the screen. I'm going to text that person and tell them exactly how I feel. Yeah. Or, or just the distractions. Like, well, I'm going to scroll Facebook mindlessly until I don't feel this way anymore. Right. The more you stuff your feelings, 
you either deal with your emotions or they're going to deal mm -hmm. with you and they're not ever going to deal with you in a way that is palpable. Right. <laughs> it's going to come up like stress. It's going to co come up like sickness. It's yes. going to come up like anxiety, whatever mm -hmm. it's going to come up with. Yeah. But, you know, people are, are so, um, so disconnected from their feelings in some regards that they're, they're just constantly looking for distractions. But if you can learn to sit in the discomfort, preferably yes. in nature, you know, it's, it's incredible what you will find if you just get quiet and listen. Ah, that's awesome. That's so good. And I agree with you hundred percent. Thank you for listening to this episode of the get up eight podcast. I'm Eric Hodgson, and I invite you to visit resilienceleaders.com where you can find free resources to help you start thriving today. Also, check out upcoming events in my new book, A Sherpa Named Zoe, How to Walk Through Grief and Live with Intention.